welcome back to the Miss Independent Podcast. I'm your host, Nika. I'm an e-commerce entrepreneur and investor. If you're new here, welcome. Today's episode is going to be a little bit more complex than usual because I have a pretty large variety of listeners on this podcast, actually. I did a poll and a lot of you guys are early on in your investment journey. Some of you are a bit more advanced and some of you are just here to learn. So wherever you are in your journey, regardless of how much information you've learned in the past, I want this to be an engaging space where everybody learns something new. And just a reminder, the purpose of this podcast is to be an educational platform. So just a disclaimer, if you want to skip through a couple seconds here. Any content I share on this platform is for educational purposes only. I'm not an investment advisor. Any information provided as part of the content is impersonal and not specific to anyone's investment needs. You acknowledge and agree that no content published or otherwise provided as part of any service constitutes a personalized recommendation or advice regarding the suitability of or advisability of investing in, purchasing, or selling any particular investment, security, portfolio, commodity, transaction, or investment strategy. Okay, now that that's out of the way, my goal is to break down these big Wall Street terms in a way that everyone can understand, and that's what my skill set is. So breaking down complex concepts and explaining them in super simplified ways. Everybody's different. Everybody's risk appetite is different. Everybody's investing strategy will also be different. And a big factor that influences everybody's risk preference is risk tolerance. So I mentioned this the other day on my stories about how I have a bit of a higher risk appetite than most. And I think this is something that I've definitely built over time. I actually led a whole lecture on how to build risk tolerance because it's incredibly important in business and in investing. You don't become comfortable with risk overnight. It's something that takes years to develop and you build it bit by bit. So if you're listening to this episode, you're probably a more active investor because the title definitely caught your eye or you're just here to learn. In both scenarios, welcome my finnies. I want to break down cyclical stocks and sector stocks because those are two key areas where I am seeing a lot of growth right now. When the COVID-19 pandemic first hit in 2020, stock market crashed as a whole. We know this, we've seen it, we've been recovering. But some industries like dining, like airlines, were hit especially hard. And then there were some areas like life insurance, like health insurance, which were pretty unaffected. All stocks are somewhat volatile, meaning their price isn't set and changes based on market conditions. But some stocks are more volatile than others, and they return market-beating gains when the economy is booming and heavier losses in a recession. These are what cyclical stocks are. So they perform better when the economy's in full swing. And then when we go into a downfall, these stocks are hit hard. And the best example, the one that is more clear and visual for you guys to see is the airlines. So when COVID hit, people weren't traveling and airline stocks dipped hard because of this. Pro tip for anyone that is a little bit newer in their investment journey, Buying and holding a diversified portfolio of index funds can often be a better and safer strategy than picking individual stocks and trying to time the market. And you guys know I always say this, 
time in the market over timing the market because it's almost impossible to time when the economy is going to collapse. There are so many different factors that contribute to economic health and so many things have been out of whack this year that it's really difficult to assess when a correction is coming. We know it's inevitable, but we don't know when it's going to happen. Nobody really knows. And that's why I say timing the market is incredibly difficult. With cyclical stocks, though, you do need to have a risk tolerance that's a little bit higher because they move in waves. So literally imagine a sound wave. That's how these stocks perform. For investors that have the risk tolerance for individual stocks and don't mind paying attention as much to economic and market cycles, cyclical stocks have the potential to add gains to their portfolio. Now, a lot of experts are going to tell you it's impossible to time the market. And for many investors, I completely agree. Buying and holding a diversified portfolio of low-cost index funds offers similar returns and at a much less level of risk. So whether or not you choose to invest in cyclical and different sector stocks is going to be entirely on you and how much risk you're willing to take on. So what are cyclical stocks? Well, in simple English, these are stocks that are more sensitive to economic cycles. A company stock is considered cyclical if it goes up when the economy is thriving or if it's recovering from tough times. And what's really key to note is the company stock also declines when the economy goes through a downturn or in the state of uncertainty. So even though it's not in a full downturn, but people are feeling very uncertain about what's going on, cyclical stocks are going to be affected. And if you do invest heavily in cyclical stocks, you're going to want to pay attention to something called the VIX, which is a measure of how people are feeling. It's a measure of how people are feeling in the market based on all the volatility that's happening. Now let's compare cyclical stocks versus non-cyclical stocks. And again, I want to preface, you always want to have a very diversified portfolio if you're going to be investing. Diversifying is key and it is ultimately the most important investing strategy. So out of everything that I talk about, if you're going to take away anything, it's that you want to be diversified just basically not putting all your eggs in one basket. Everyone should have some exposure to a low-cost index fund, especially like the S&P 500, uh, which is something that you hold long-term. And the best way to in think about what the S&P is, is like if you're cooking, the S&P is like your salt and pepper, right? It goes into every dish. And that gives you exposure to the whole market. So salt and pepper go into every dish that you're making because they provide essential flavor and without it, you just, you know, something is missing. S&P works the same way. Now on top of the S&P, if you want to cook something, you want to add in a little bit more flavor, then you might want to hold individual stocks. And this is where you need to understand the different types of stocks because it helps you make a more informed decision. So if you're cooking an Italian meal, for example, you're not gonna add garam masala, which is an Indian spice, right? It's just gonna be really off. So in the same way that if you're cooking, you're paying really close attention to the spices that you're using, when you're investing in individual stocks, you also need to be super informed because the stock market can be a pretty volatile place. 
all investments are somewhat volatile. So when I talk about the S&P 500, which quick reminder for anyone who missed this is an index of 505 US companies that has an approximate return of 9.6% over the last 50 years, still worth noting that the S&P can gain or lose value at any time. It's just a measure of the top 505 companies in the US. Another thing to note is when you have cash in your savings account, you're not experiencing any volatility. You're just experiencing inflation. And I talk about inflation all the time. So I'm not going to go into that today because I don't want to go on a rant on inflation. But it's worth noting that some stocks are going to be more stable than others. Cyclical stocks are not necessarily stable because they follow economic trends and cycles. Non-cyclical stocks, on the other hand, are more consistent throughout economic downturns and they aren't as affected by economic downturns. So cyclical stocks are way more prone to like boom and bust cycles and they can experience somewhat wild swings, especially when the economic situation changes, whereas non-cyclical stocks are sometimes called defensive stocks and they have a lot more stability, especially when there's uncertainty and that's why they're called defensive stocks because they protect your portfolio. So it just helps you visualize what they do. But non-cyclical stocks are sometimes called defensive because they also provide non-discretionary goods. So these are things like groceries and utilities. So defensive stocks, and I've talked about this a bit before, they provide a consistent dividend and stable earnings usually, regardless of the state of the whole market. A great example of a defensive stock would be a company like P&G or Procter & Gamble because people are always going to buy toothpaste and laundry detergent, or at least I hope so, <laughs> even in a recession. And companies like Johnson & Johnson because people are always going to buy over-the-counter medicine. Side note, actually for anyone that didn't know, J&J is splitting into two publicly traded companies. One for its pharmaceutical and medical devices division, and one for its consumer products. Things like Band-Aid, Tylenol, and its baby shampoo. And I have some friends that work in J&J, so we've chatted about this, but my thought process here is that the pharmaceutical side of the business is a lot more profitable. And so the company doesn't want its performance to be impacted by the slightly less profitable arm, which is the consumer products business. So it's gonna split them up so that they're evaluated differently. What companies and industries are considered cyclical? For the most part, companies that depend heavily on people's disposable income are going to fall into the cyclical stock category. So when we're in a recession, which in this case was triggered by the pandemic, think about the things that people were continuing to buy. So like toothpaste, deodorant, these are not cyclical. Things that were cyclical in like common industries were auto parts, Revenue for auto manufacturers dropped in early 2020 because unemployment rose. A lot of people lost their jobs. And so people weren't buying cars as much. This was early on. I spoke with a lot of different dealerships throughout the past year, just as part of my day job. And their businesses actually started picking up roughly around May. So March to May is when they were really hit hard. And then slowly people started buying more and more cars. But what impacted them was the semiconductor chip issue. And I've talked about this in the past. Semiconductors are chips that are used in pretty much every, uh, in a lot of technology items. And semiconductor stocks are cyclical because 
a lot of the wireless companies like Qualcomm and AMD and even NVIDIA, which is the graphics card manufacturer, they saw a spike in demand in 2021. So whenever you see the stock spike or drop due to demand, that gives you an indication that it's a cyclical stock. Construction is also a cyclical stock because if you look at the housing market, it accounts for about 60% of construction spending and it's pretty volatile. Builders and material providers are often impacted by economic changes and like changes in home buying trends, which is why this past year, things like lumber and just building products in general saw a spike because demand really, really impacted the cost of those goods. If you look at construction as well, companies like Caterpillar or CAT, which makes the construction machinery, and United Rentals, which actually makes, um, or it's a rental company that rents construction equipment, these are also cyclical stocks in the construction space. And the biggest one that I can't not mention is airlines. So as people have more money to spend on non-essentials like travel, airline stocks are going to see an improvement in performance. And as travel slows, airline stocks are going to be affected. So this is going to affect companies like Delta, Southwest, United in the States, and then for my Canadians, Air Canada and WestJet. And then with airline, you also have hospitality. So things like hotels, restaurant, any type of leisure spending. Hospitality stocks are going to struggle when people have less to spend. The hospitality took a heavy hit in 2020 and it's recovering now quite a bit. But the industry isn't going to fully recover until 2023. And when I say recover, I mean reach its pre-pandemic levels. If you're looking at hospitality, hotels, restaurant industry stocks, this is going to be things like the parent company of Chili's or Expedia or Hilton Hotels. Great examples of hospitality stocks that are cyclical. And the last category that I'm going to mention is textile, apparel, and luxury goods. So just posted about LVMH. Luxury goods always do better when the economy is booming because people have more money to spend and so they spend more on luxury items. So usually in a recession, people cut back on clothing purchases. During an economic boom, people are spending money on clothes. And LVMH is a fantastic example of this. Now, before I go into different sectors and how that works and how sectors work, I want to talk about some of the advantages and disadvantages of owning cyclical stocks. So one of the biggest advantages to cyclical stocks is the potential for growth, especially during a time of economic boom. So even though the stocks drop in a recession, people who have a high amount of risk tolerance aren't going to be buying cyclical stocks because recessions on average historically happen only once a decade and they last about 18 months. So if you have a higher tolerance for volatility, you might find yourself winning a lot more than you're not. But on the other hand, buying cyclical stocks is not necessarily a guaranteed way to get a good return on investment, especially if, if you're picking a stock that is going to be affected by factors outside of demand. And with stocks, they're so volatile, you can never really know exactly when a specific company is going to do well. You're just looking at overall trends and making an informed decision. But by no means can you predict exactly what's going to happen, which is why for somebody that is a little bit more uneasy, maybe a little bit newer to the investing game, the S&P 500 tracks the entire stock market and over the past 10 years has had a return of 13.6%. 
but again, by no means does past performance indicate future performance. For a lot of longer-term investors, like people that are saving for retirement, buying and holding index funds is better because it's a little bit less risk. And if you are trying to cash out in the next five years, like let's say you want to invest into the stock market in order to accumulate money for a down payment, anything can happen within those five years. So if you're investing into really high risk positions, you're going to be affected quite a bit if there is a downturn. So in that case, you would want to invest into something that's a little bit more risk averse. On the other hand, if you're younger and you've got a long-term time horizon, you can take on more risk because you've got more time to ride out market fluctuations. And that's why I always say you've got to zoom out when you're making investment decisions. If you're young, you want to look at the market over the next 30 years. And if you're keeping your, your money in there over the next 30 years, you're riding out a lot of those waves. Some of the disadvantages of cyclical stocks. One of the biggest issues is you're trying to time the market in some way. And there's really no way to do that or know for certain what stock is going to do well from one day to the next. So it encourages investors to engage in behavior. It can be a little bit tricky because it you're, you're trying to time the market in some way. And it's also really easy to get spooked if you're trying to invest in cyclical stocks. A lot of people who lead their investment decisions with fear or greed may end up selling a little bit too early and selling at a loss instead of staying the course. But there are quite a few ways that you can actually benefit from cyclical stocks. So if you're strategic as an investor, if you're focused on taking full advantage of cyclical stocks, you want to take advantage of the cycle. So you want to buy during the rise and you want to sell when things change. But essentially, when people are talking about buy low, sell high, they're talking about cyclical stocks. So you want to buy when the company's on the rise, not at the top. And then when you want to sell is when it's doing really well and reallocate money into some of your other positions. It's not easy to do, never said it was. And that's where listening to conversations like this, doing as much research as you can is really gonna help arm you with the right toolkit to make proper decisions. People that invest in index funds are probably holding cyclical stocks as part of their index funds or ETFs. So you're going to have some exposure to this, but because you're investing in the whole market as a whole, you're not as affected by some of those booms and busts. But for people that do want to have some exposure to cyclical stocks, you want to be really careful and look at consumer discretionary ETFs with low fees. That's... Um, a really, way, a really great way to get in and learn about cyclical stocks and how they perform. Let's start this whole journey into different sectors by looking at what happens when we come out of a recession. And we, does, we just came out of a market dip in 2020, March of 2020. So why don't we use that as an example? Because it's, it's really clear and it helps you visualize how all this works in practice. So if we look at what happened in March 2020, a lot of people moved into financials. Financials is a separate sector. So think about things like the big banks in Canada, BMO, TD, Scotia. In the US, you've got a ton of big banks to look at as well. And then think about insurance companies like Sun Life. Those are traditionally what people invest in right as a recession 
happens or right as we come out of a recession and the reason why is because towards the tail end of a recession interest rates are unusually favorable and to get the economy flowing again the cost of borrowing becomes lower whether or not this is the right move that's a whole other separate discussion we're not going to get into but as the economy starts to turn up people rotate into financial stocks after that after the economy cycle turns up, they start to rotate into the technology sector. And this one is a little sensitive early in the cycle because people invest in new technology to make their businesses more efficient. These are companies that help with automation and they're companies that help businesses produce more and make productivity gains. So a great example of this is NVIDIA, which is the company that makes semiconductors, think telecom, Think your typical tech stocks like Amazon, Microsoft, Apple, Intel, Cisco, Google. After people invest in the technology sector, then they move into the consumer sector. And this is things like housing, transportation, retail. Think companies like Zara, which is owned by Inditex. Think H&M, which fun fact stands for Henez and Moritz. I bet you didn't know that. I think Aritzia, which I talked about a bit before, was one of my top performers in the early stages post-recovery. Uh, think about LVMH, which I just talked about, which is Louis Vuitton, Moet, and Hennessy. And they own a ton of other companies too. It's not just those four. Why investors pour money into these stocks is because consumers grow more confident as the economy recovers and takes hold. So they start buying luxury goods again, and then they start buying homes and cars. And after people go into this sector, the investors traditionally rotate more into transportation, industrials, and basic material sectors. So when you see more people buying these, you know we're at a midpoint of the growth stage. And this is companies like airline stocks, shipping companies, which I just talked about recently. Basic material sectors are Things like construction materials, so lumber, metals, minerals, chemicals, plastic, glass. Basic material stocks always perform better during a bull run. Bull run, again, one of those Wall Street terms, which basically means a longer extended period in the market when stock prices are on the rise. And as the growth stage matures, as we start to come further up, investors rotate into the energy sector. And I think this is where we're at right now, because as the demand for goods increases, people start to invest more into transportation companies like the shipping companies that we talked about. As there's a higher demand for shipping globally, what powers those ships? Well, that's that's where your oil stocks, your natural gas stocks, solar and renewable energy stocks come in. So energy, the energy sector is what benefits from the increased demand in transportation goods. Now, let's talk about what happens as we transition more from growth to recession. And this is when investors get a little bit more defensive. So that's when they buy into companies like Procter & Gamble, which we talked about earlier, Johnson & Johnson, goods that people are going to buy regardless of how the economy performs. And the reason why is these ones offer some level of protection during a recession. So if you think about it this way, why why do people do this? Well, what, what do you buy even during a recession? Most likely, you're still going to buy food, so Costco would be a good buy. You're still going to need electricity, so utility companies would be a good buy. You're never going to stop buying healthcare products, so 
another type of defensive stock that an investor who wants to bring on more defensive positions into their portfolio is going to buy. And I want to leave you with one last bit, and it's how do you benefit from all this info? First, you want to spot what's going on. So you want to look at trends. If an economic recovery is underway, you want to start looking at transportation, industrial, and basic material sectors. In the middle of a recession, you want to look for trends in utilities and healthcare. And being aware of sector rotations can help active investors adjust their portfolio. So if you're a passive investor, if you're somebody that's mainly investing into index funds and ETFs, this isn't going to impact you as much. If you're investing into sector ETFs or individual stocks within a sector, this is definitely something that you want to be mindful of because you're going to want to rebalance your portfolio based on how these perform. And although you're going to see indications of a sector coming into or moving out of favor, you want to keep in mind that it's really difficult to predict with certainty what's going to happen. And you're going to try to look for confirmation, but it's it doesn't exist because nobody has a crystal ball. Looking at trends definitely helps, but you can't fully have confirmation on what your strategy is or whether or not it's the right thing to do. So if you guys want to know how I'm taking advantage of this, if I think a sector is coming into favor, I'm either going to hold my position in that sector or I'm going to look for new opportunities and buy companies I don't currently have. If there's a dip, like what we had just now, what I'm doing is I'm looking at sectors where I see trends, where I know that investors are going to be confident putting their money into. And what I typically do is I dollar cost average, meaning as soon as there is a dip, I don't throw all of my money into that dip. I'm not using all my leftover cash right away. I'm going to slowly start buying bit by bit because it could dip lower and I want to average down in that case. And on the flip side, I'm still going to be dollar cost averaging, but my position becomes a little bit more expensive. On the flip side, if I think that there's a sector that's going to come out of favor, I'm going to raise my stop losses so that I can cut loss, or I'm going to take profits on sectors that I think won't do as well based on what's coming next. That's basically what portfolio rebalancing is, and I'm going to do a more in-depth episode on this, but I wanted you guys to build the foundation first and understand what cyclical stocks are, how different sectors perform during growth and recession phases. So you fully understand when you should rebalance, how often you should rebalance. That's a personal decision. Everybody's going to do it a little differently. And I just want to arm you guys with as much information as possible. So hopefully you took a lot away from this. If you guys like this kind of content, please do me a favor. If you can leave me a review, if you're listening on Apple, on Apple Podcasts, that would mean the world to me. There is another podcast called Misf Independent, which started right around the same time that Katie and I started our podcast. We actually bought our domain months before, but she did come out and start publishing episodes. And so it's a little bit of an awkward conversation to have, but I need you. I need your help, guys. So if you can leave me a review on Apple, that would mean the world to me. Um, it would just show your support. And I know you guys send me messages all the time and I appreciate that, but the the podcast reviews really make a difference in terms of how how much this podcast reaches others and that's ultimately the goal here right just to educate and empower as many people as possible 
so that's all for me that's all for today guys thanks so much for tuning in gonna be posting episodes every wednesday so there'll be a new podcast up as soon as you wake up as always thanks so much for listening and ciao for now